0: A banker for twenty one years, almost, but uh, I was just curious, and I really wanted to ask. If I'm not having an offer here, I'm going to get an offer somewhere else, so, There's so. somebody just a little bit We wait a long time. People are just going to have to roll up their sleeves and dive in. The corporate world, uh, for four years as a CEO, brings
1: about uh, that's okay. It's it's going to fuel you. Um, it's still, I think, fueling me to this day. To create value for this. Uh, staging got me through the door because it's a pretty small group tried to make sense of it because there's so much information coming in and you don't know what's what's relevant and what's not i'm not interested in having this small probability of losing a whole lot of money you need to be surrounded by other smart people
0: for the firm during the 2008 recession hello everyone this is your host maura maya welcome to another episode of the finance podcast this show is a conversational exploration of stories career development ideas methods and strategies used by leading industry professionals this is where i explore the professional journey of individuals who have successfully built careers in the financial industry my guest this week is Mark Novikov. Mark currently leads Jaroslavsky-Fraser's Emerging Markets Equity Strategy and Research Group, as well as co-manages the Global Equity Portfolio. He is also a member of the Investment Strategy Committee for Jaroslavsky-Fraser. Mark joined the firm in 2003 as a research analyst and became a partner in 2008. He covered a broad spectrum of sectors throughout the years and has built an extensive network of industry contacts in developed and emerging markets. Prior to joining the firm, Mark worked for CIBC World Markets in investment banking in the Industrial Growth Group in New York City. Before joining the investment industry, Mark worked for four years as an engineer and cost controller for Pratt & Whitney Canada in Montreal. Mark is a governor and a former president for both the Harvard Club of Quebec as well as the Harvard Business School Club of Montreal. He is also involved as a member of the McGill Faculty of Engineering's Advisory Board and the Quatshuis Theatre Board of Directors. He is a frequent guest speaker at the CFA Institute as well as multiple universities, mostly discussing topics related to investment analysis and global markets. In addition to obtaining a Bachelor's of Engineering degree from McGill University, Mark completed his MBA at Harvard Business School and also holds a CFA designation. So please enjoy my conversation with Mark Novikov. Thank you, Mark, for being with us here today on the platform.
1: Thank you for hosting me.
0: Something I like to do when we begin, I ask this to every guest I have on the show. So how do we describe your journey? How do we, how does it start?
1: Okay, so I'm originally from Montreal. I grew up here, went to school in French uh, in Montreal. I um, did university at McGill and uh, did actual mechanical aerospace engineering um, training. Um, And one thing I'd like to, I always like to mention, especially since I'm investment, uh, I'm an investment professional now, is I did a couple of summer jobs, uh, 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, working at McDonald's, uh, being a security guard. And I saved uh, some of the money I made there and I invested that money, and that helped me pay for my education. And that was a very important element of um, developing my hobby, my passion, and investments very early on. Um, After doing engineering, I uh, worked as an engineer for four years at uh, Pratt & Whitney. Um, Really enjoyed it, it was very analytical, really satisfied my uh, thirst for scientific knowledge and analysis. Uh, But I always was going back to investments as my hobby and and really looking um, at all the other aspects of a corporation, not just the technical part. Um, Coming from an engineering uh, family as well, my father was an engineer, my grandfather was an engineer. That was kind of the path and I I had a lot of ease in math and physics, but not as much exposure to professional uh, money management. Um, So I did a minor in management while I was at McGill. And then I saw with time that there was opportunities in that field and um, applied for an MBA at Harvard and got accepted. And there really took many courses on investments, finance, marketing, and the business aspects of of, uh, big uh, corporations. Um, And then I did a summer internship in investment banking in New York And uh, there saw that you had all these professional money managers making decisions uh, for portfolios and for clients. Um, And then that's where for me was very clear I wanted to become a portfolio manager down the road. Um, Being from Montreal, uh, I wanted to come back with time, my family being here. Uh, And that's where I used the network of Harvard and actually got in contact with Mr. Jaroslawski uh, who founded the firm uh, here. And he uh, offered me the opportunity to uh, come and work here as a research analyst. Um, a key element there, it was the fit uh, in terms of the investment style. Uh, the way I was doing my research on the companies as a student back then, uh, looking at annual reports, I didn't have the similar access as we have in the big company like here at Jaroslawski. But it was always this long-term view, understanding the fundamental, understanding the industry, uh, that was exactly the style here uh, at Jaroslawski. And that's what got me here uh, back in Montreal in 2003. Uh, so now I've been here 17 years and, um, and never really looked as much to go elsewhere because I always had the opportunity to grow. And I think that's what's very important is always that opportunity to grow and progress in your career. So I started as a research um, analyst, became a portfolio manager, and now managing director uh, of the firm. So really, there was always an opportunity for me to grow within the firm and within the style of investing. Uh, As I'm sure you're meeting with a lot of professionals, there's a lot of investment style uh, out there.
0: Great. thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I'd like to touch upon um, something you said, you worked as an analyst in New York. Perhaps give us kind of a little bit of more insight of what that was like.
1: So in New York, I was working in investment banking, which is very different than investment management. Uh, and investment banking is definitely a great place for me to to learn back then. And it's a very high-paced environment, um, very intense, uh, north of 100 hours uh, a week of work, um, traveling, being on private jets, meeting with companies, p- preparing pitch book. I uh, brought my Excel spreadsheet skills at a different level than it used to be. Uh, and I loved the experience, but it was definitely not for me long term what I wanted to do. Uh, it's a much more transactional based environment. Uh, you make recommendations at a very high level. Uh, But you don't have the long-term ownership of the decisions Mm -hmm. and that's what I was looking for and that's why I realized for me The fit was much better with the buy side and being on the portfolio management side I have some friends who have been extremely successful in investment banking. They have their uh, The personality for investment banking and that's to me There was a clear difference for me in terms of what I was looking for in the career.
0: So now, as a managing director here at Jaroslawski Fraser, what is it that you do? And I know that you work with emerging markets. So if you could give us an insight of what your typical day to look, what your typical day looks like, your tasks, um, just a little overview as well.
1: Yes. So now it's it's a combination of a lot of different things of what I do. So um, a lot of meetings, uh, managing uh, our investment strategy committee. Uh, where we approve all the names that go within our portfolios at Jaroslawski. Managing my emerging market team, so really dedicated research in emerging markets. Uh, I'm also on a committee for our trade management uh, oversight committee. Um, So there's a lot of oversight within the firm uh, in terms of what I do a lot of training, supervision and hiring of the analysts, the senior research associates, uh, dealing with operations, dealing with trading. Uh, So I'm using my experience here to help a lot of individuals within the organization and making sure we get the proper talent at Jaroslawski. Uh, So I'm also leading our university outreach program for Quebec universities. Uh, So that means a lot of engagements as well with the universities and putting in place internship programs for the students as they come through Jaroslawski. Uh, the portfolio management side obviously, that I'm still quite involved with emerging markets and co-manager on global equities. Um, client meetings, marketing meetings also, uh, very often our large clients want to meet with the portfolio managers. So explaining our style, our strategy, and explaining our performance uh, when we're doing well and when we're not doing so well and the reasons why. Uh, really understanding that. And being on the ground, fundamental research, which is what we do, it's also traveling. So going and meeting with the companies, doing site visits, attending conferences. Uh, So we typically do two big trips a year, uh, every individual on the team. So that means going to China, going to India, My last trip was in Brazil and Peru, for example, and sometimes combining that with client meetings because we do have clients as well in some of these countries. Uh, So I find it extremely exciting Uh, uh, being a very curious individual. I always love to learn, learn about uh, different cultures, uh, different companies, the ecosystems in which these companies operate. Um, So it's really uh, doing that on the ground research that also is very important.
0: You mentioned something about uh, talking with clients about Jaroslawski's investment style. So maybe you can um, expand on that a little bit.
1: Yep. So we're doing fundamental research. uh, And we're looking for quality companies uh, and companies that uh, sustain uh, a moat or have a good, sustainable business model uh, that they're, they're operating in. So what does that entail is a lot of industry analysis to start with uh, because you want industries that have good growth profiles, um, that don't have cutthroat competitiveness, um, and that are not too cyclical as uh, we want to make sure our clients get good, steady, long-term growth in a low-risk manner. So, spending a lot of time on the industry is very key for us and assessing the competitive advantages that those companies have. Uh, Why are they able to generate a higher return on invested capital than their peers? Why is the industry uh, interesting? And what's the sustainability of the business model down the road. So that's really key to, to what we're doing. Uh, and then once you've identified those pockets that are very interesting, the quality of management, who's behind the operations. Uh, so again, going visiting them, meeting with management, understanding their incentives, um, and doing a big risk assessment of the investment. Um, and we're we now we're very literate and people talk a lot about ESG. Uh, approach, Um, being a long-term investor, it's really part of our DNA, because if you get poor governance, bad decisions will be made, and decisions will be made for the wrong reasons, so we want to really understand that. If you destroy your environment, you'll have a liability down the road at one point, and then the social environment as well, and you need to treat your employees the right way. Uh, So we spend quite a bit of time understanding how those companies behave and why are they behaving the way they are behaving. Um, the financial strength of the business, and not last but not least, valuation. You don't want to pay too much for the company.
0: So we're talking about a company that can sustain growth, and I want to apply that to emerging markets. So how does that? How do you go about investing and in selecting companies that you believe have earning growth potentials in markets that can be very risky uh, environmentally, in terms of geography, politically? So how how does that? work how does how do you combine the risk with the strategy that you have
1: yep so there's many risks in 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 a lot of these markets um obviously there's the country risks uh you got to understand how is the country operating uh what, it's, it's exactly like a, a corporations. They have revenues from their taxation and then their spending in terms of social programs, in terms of infrastructure. So we're doing analysis of the country's understanding how sustainable is that country, the way they're allocating resources, and what are the incentives or what are the intentions of the governments in place. We're so really understanding the country risks, which also drives a lot of the currency risks. Uh, from a fiscal and monetary policy, how are they operating and is that sustainable? So we spend quite a bit of that understanding that specific risk. And it, for us, it's, there are countries we're comfortable with and others we're n- simply not comfortable. So we're not going to go and invest in those countries and not investing in companies that generate a significant and material part of their cash flows from those countries that we find have uh, material risks. Um, in terms of the local market specifics as well, uh, understanding the supply chains that are very often different than many developed markets, um, different flavors, habits that people have, especially when you think about consumer uh, products. And very important is the disclosure. Some markets have very limited disclosure, so you have to go on the ground and assess the operations and different uh, accounting rules sometimes. So we've got to understand. How those accounting rules work and how do they compare with other markets? So there's a comparability element that's very important. In terms of the benefits of investing in emerging markets, well, a big part of it is the superior GDP growth that you're seeing in many markets. And that that is driven by urbanization trends, increasing standard of livings, which really brings consumption up for a lot of these consumption companies uh, that are delivering then superior growth uh, down the road. Uh, You've got infrastructure investments, so that drives good demand like on the industrial side, for example, uh, and productivity gains. The opportunity set in emerging markets has changed dramatically over the last 15 years. Uh, So that's where we're seeing sectors such as technology, I spoke about consumer goods and financials. Also, extremely different compared to financials in developed markets. They have a different um, yield curve environment. Very often, uh, they're fintech companies. The growth is much growing much faster, and they don't have to deal with a lot of the um, of the legacy assets that many developed uh, market companies have to deal with.
0: In the same line of questioning, having traveled. You mentioned a lot throughout Asia and other, and other countries. What are some of these skills that you found that have been most valuable for your job and why?
1: So the first understanding cultural differences. And then you don't take answers at face value. Uh, a no in a certain country is very different than no in another country. Um, and sometimes you have to go and knock on the door many times before... Um, getting access to the right people. So you've got to be perseverant. Uh, You need to dig below the surface, Uh, need to understand the incentives and the history of the people that you're looking into their operations and the companies. Um, Sometimes there's legacy reasons why a company operates one way or another. Um, And having a global perspective of what this company that's growing, let's say, at a very interesting pace in their regional markets, How could they compete with the big global competitors? And when you find those unique companies that have have developed something that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, but then brings it to the rest of the world, the return opportunities are huge. And that's where we find most of the exceptional growth in our portfolios are coming from. Um, Then also uh, in those markets, uh, which is specific to emerging markets, is the government-owned entities, the SOEs, so state-owned enterprises. And there you have to be very cautious. And I talked about a little bit the incentives. Uh, For many of these companies, the incentives, they are really instruments of the government and they're not run in the interest of minority shareholders. And from a governance perspective, it's a big challenge Um, because then um, the governments may use them for their own benefit at the expense of minority shareholders. And that's an area where we're very cautious. And so you're talking about the risks earlier, um, and that's part of the understanding the cultural element is what's the role of these state-owned enterprises. And we do have some, a select few, in our portfolios where actually the minority shareholders benefit and they are supported as well by the local uh, governments. And they're doing sometimes very innovative uh, uh, either procedures, technologies that are actually benefiting the whole population. But they're more the exception than the rule.
0: I'd like to backtrack and go back to looking into your career. I'm very interested in asking how the 2008 economic recession affected your professional career. Did the economic crisis pose a significant impact on your work?
1: Yes. Um, Obviously, it was a very stressful time for everybody in the industry, and it was the perfect stress test for us. So, Having become a professional analyst in 2003, We've always been doing sensitivity analysis in our on our business models uh, and the companies that we've been looking at. And that was the perfect stress test to see if we assess properly uh, the, the risks in the businesses in which we invested. Obviously, not all of our stress tests materialized the way we've expected. So I think all of us learned a lot of... Uh, what can go wrong, why it goes wrong. Um, And one quote I always bring up is, it's only when the tide goes out that you learn who has been swimming naked. And that's where you see people that took excessive risks, that couldn't sustain uh, the stress of the economic crisis. And it really confirmed to me, it was really the proof is in the pudding, that what we're doing here at Jaroslawski Fraser really works well. Because... Uh, we did have some companies that got into a few troubles, but overall, our companies did very well uh, and, and survived, and many of them actually used the crisis to increase their market share, consolidate their markets, and come out stronger from the crisis. But some of them got into some issues, and that's where you learn the most on how do you stress test and how do you do your Excel model on the company and really take into consideration 25% Revenue decline, margin compression, what does that mean for cash flows? What does that mean for the balance sheet? So that's an experience that really is engraved in your mind and you can really uh, use uh, down the road. Um, And it also reinforced my belief uh, in the whole fundamental research and the quality approach that we have and having less cyclical businesses because that gives you a big cushion on the way down and allows you to outperform.
0: So um, you mentioned about you mentioned something about having the right skills and tools, and I want to go with that concept and ask you, what are some of the tools or habits that you implement on the daily that really help you excel in, in your profession?
1: So the I guess the first one is discipline, and really be having a disciplined approach, a process that you follow, uh, that's time tested and through the cycle, uh, is 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 very key. And that process that we refine every day um, and that's another part of the question is the whole continuous improvement element of what we do. The world is always changing, you have to be dynamic in what you're doing uh, and stress testing your assumptions is extremely key in, uh, in, in what we're doing and how we're doing it. Uh, so I would really emphasize that in, in terms of, of the habits and, and looking at your, the way you're doing research.
0: Um, I would I'm also interested in asking what what other than the 2008 economic recession if there has ever been another challenge a difficulty that you've encountered and how you over how you overcame it and what it taught you
1: yes so the with time especially when you start having the, the challenge and time becomes a big challenge as, as your career evolves and your life evolves as well with family children um, involvement in extracurricular activities, um, you want to give back to the community, time, becomes, time management is a, big, is a big issue for most people in the industry. Um, and, and at one point, you got to start to say no to some things because you can't manage everything, and very often that's where you see breakdowns of individuals in, in this industry is because people try to do too much or stay too narrowly focused on one aspect of their life, uh, so I think you need to understand materiality. So we talk about materiality in the company. Same thing in your in your life, and you want to maintain a, a balanced lifestyle. Um, for me, sleep is very important. Making sure you get the right amount of sleep, the exercise, um, taking care of yourself, and really balancing your day out. and uh, And that means um, spending the right amount of time with your family spending the right amount of time on your work, and spending the right amount of time giving back to your community, um, I think is very key to that health, being healthy and having a good balance.
0: So talking about that balance, I'm interested in knowing what does your morning look like before you get to work? How do you prepare yourself or fuel yourself up for the long day that you have ahead?
1: Yes. So for me, I'm, I'm not a morning person. So I'm very upfront with, on that. So it really starts the night before okay. <laughs> because I prepare everything the night before for the next day. And the first thing I do in the morning is get a cup of coffee, <laughs> trying <laughs> to just uh, wake up. Um, then it means uh, for what I do is world news. So there's a solid half an hour, which is just to absorb as much as possible of what happened overnight in a lot of the emerging markets, what happened in Europe, um, and getting up to speed on the news. Um, Then it's reviewing, how's my day looking like? Um, And that's in conjunction with my to-do list, which is also in constant evolution, and to prioritize and say, this is what needs to be achieved today. Uh, This is where I have time to do it. Uh, and really coming up with that, that list. Um, after that, uh, I'm waking up my daughters and basically getting them ready to go to school. And then this is spending a good half an hour with the family, preparing for the day, uh, and then bringing them to school uh, where we have some quality time in the car, getting to talk with them because then once they are drop them off at school... It's going to be all work, and I don't know exactly what time I'll be back because you never know what happens in this career Um, in terms of news, corporate actions, or what can happen. So I'd say that's really how my day starts, but in reality, it really starts the night before for me. I have colleagues who are more early birds, and really it starts for them in the morning. For me, it starts the night before.
0: So in light of everything that we've discussed and that you've shared with us, I'd like if you could go back and meet the 20-year-old you. What advice would you give yourself, and why?
1: Yes, that's a very good question on the uh, uh, on reflecting on that. And if I look at myself, 20-year-old, I was an engineering student, um, and I was very focused on quantitative, scientific, and very in my in my books around. Around science, really. And I think one of the elements there um, that I would tell myself is really the importance of understanding others more, spending more time understanding others, and the importance of relationships more, uh, which I discovered much later in my life. Uh, and um, that's an element I would say I would have probably benefited to spend more time on that. Although, obviously. Studying hard and making sure you get your fundamentals, understanding of the world, is is key. But uh, that's one part that I would probably um, emphasize uh, to the younger me.
0: Are there any resources, perhaps books, to which you would direct someone because it had an impact on you, or you think you had a, it had a really important message?
1: Yes. So I've got a couple here. Um, so in there's tons of books on on returns and identifying the good companies and all that, which uh, I'm sure your audience is, is getting. The, the ones that I tend to pay attention to is also managing risks, and that's the other part of the equation of investments. And a lot of people are looking at at the, the returns you're getting and your expected return, but I think what's more important is the risk-adjusted. Uh, expected return or returns you're getting. Uh, So, there's a couple of books that early on to me were very key. So, one of them is Against the Gods, uh, the remarkable story of risk from Peter Bernstein. And it goes through the evolution of actually human management of risk. If you go back when countries would send boats to explore the world and how would you manage those risks, those investments and those ventures that would go and try to explore the world. And uh, the the pricing mechanisms very early on that were developed around that it gives a good history of that um, then there's another one which is on in the long cycles and w- when you have a, a fracture or a revolution in something in an economy and, and it's called guns germs and steel by Jared Diamond which I think gives a very gives you that long perspective uh, that is, very interesting. There's always outliers from Malcolm Godwell um, And here the key element I use that with a lot of uh, the interns and students that come here and and that's also for some of your audience uh, what it makes it to be good in any industry actually is those 10,000 10, hours. hours yes. You really need that, uh, that level of expertise especially in a competitive world in which we are to really just that's the level playing field to just enter and then to just start to outperform others. Uh, I think that's an, a very important one. And then last one would be on perseverance and, and values is uh, Nelson Mandela, The Long Walk to Freedom, which really, um, to me, like is, is, a very, um, is a very important, I guess, testimony, but also uh, shows really the, the value of perseverance in life.
0: My last question before our closing remarks, what advice would you give individuals trying to break into this industry, trying to become portfolio manager? What would you suggest they do to excel in said field?
1: Number one is invest early. So really, the, as soon as you get a little bit of savings, it doesn't matter the amount. It can be buying just a few shares of companies and then following the companies, understanding uh, how those companies operate, how, why is the market behaving the way it is, always asking yourself um, what, what would be the next growth driver for the company, what are the big risks associated with the companies. So investing early is, is a key element. Um, early on, try as many jobs as you can because you want to understand industries. So it's not just about the position of the jobs, especially when you get out of school, but also you want to understand how the companies for which you're working operates. And you're inside the company, so you'll figure it out much more. So that's another element is really understanding uh, how the company works. Um, Don't be afraid to cold call people. Uh, The value of relationships, uh, the people you're in school with today will have a tremendous impact on your life down the road. Um, so that's also, um, you don't underestimate the power of networks, especially in the world we live in. Um, it could be future clients. It could be um, people that help you to understand an industry, uh, understand a company. Um, you really have to to, to value those networks uh, down the road. Um, being curious, uh, there's always those three Cs of uh, Mr. Jaroslavski on competence, curiosity, and courage uh, at the board level are extremely important. And we always talk about these when we're reviewing uh, directors on boards. Uh, but it's also for you, you, any graduating students, they will be defining qualities down the road. Um, and I would really emphasize the three Cs.
0: So, is there anything else you'd like to suggest or mention as we wrap up as our closing remarks?
1: I would say work hard, play hard. I think that's very important to enjoy what you're doing. Um, ideally, if you find a career or a job that is actually your hobby, because then you're just not working, you're just enjoying your, your whole, your hobby, a balanced, balanced lifestyle. Even if it's what you like doing, you still need to have, make sure all these quadrants are balanced and, Managing your, your, um, your family time, managing your exercise time, managing giving back to your community, and obviously your career, very important. Uh, and I'll come back to perseverance, um, and you really got to work hard, it's competitive, competitive world out there, um, and back to those 10,000 hours, you, you got to put the work in before you start to see the benefits.
0: Thank you for a great conversation. There was a lot of insight. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And that, ladies and gentlemen, was my conversation with Mark Novikoff. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember to stay tuned. There is always more coming up.